what's good, guys? It's your Boston Brits and the basketball ass. Now, we are back. I, to be fair, Josh, I feel like we say this every single time and then we go on like a three-month hiatus. Um, but look, we're back for now. Anyway, we've got an episode for you. And Josh, what a time to be alive, mate. How are you? Well, firstly, it's about quality, not quantity. I am great because unbelievably, and this definitely is a rare instance um, among our podcasts together, is that we're actually speaking during a positive time to be a Boston Celtics fan uh, because we're in the Eastern Conference Finals. We are. We are. To be honest, I hope we're not the, the bad omen, though, because we seem to, uh, every single time we do an episode, it's always something bad. So hopefully, hopefully we bring the good uh, juju instead of the uh, first half of the season jitters. But yeah, Eastern Conference Finals, what the hell has happened? Considering when we, first, when we last on a pod episode, I'm pretty sure we were in that bad stint. And second half of the season, we've just gone an absolute tangent we've just got an absolute run um i can't quite believe it to be honest i mean it's, it's just baffling it's baffling i can't quite understand how the celtics have gone from one of the worst teams to arguably the best team in terms of the turnaround i mean it's got for me i don't know about you josh but i can't think of the top of my head an nba season where a team has gone from that situation to where we are now and it's just the most miraculous turnaround I've ever seen in an NBA season. What about you? What do you think about it? I think it's been unbelievable. And you're right, it has been a while since we spoke. And when we spoke, there was so much negativity going around. Um, it's almost, it's just over six months at the moment from that. Sorry, it was about when, currently speaking, six months on from when Marcus Smart had that kind of now infamous press conference where he said that Jason and Jalen don't pass the ball, mm. uh, that the chemistry is terrible, that they need to learn. At that point, we felt like we, it was really in the mire and this kind of whole season was going to be a Ime Adoka learning experience. Um, if he even got the chance, depending on how bad the rest of the season went. Yeah. Uh, no one was buying in. Um, there was a sort of kind of disconnect between the players, uh, player personnel and uh, Ime's approach to basketball and his basketball philosophy. So we've just come so far because at this point, we're looking at a team now who is uh, currently Bookie's favourites to go to the NBA finals uh, in their matchup against the Miami Heat, which we'll discuss in a moment but also a team that is just absolutely buzzing with confidence. Um, you, you watch them play and you know that there's a kind of a collective spirit that everybody has bought into, um, which is the absolute polar opposite. We started to call them the kind of Jekyll and Hyde Celtics in kind of January, February, because they were still putting together runs of kind of three games and then losing an absolute clangor to a team that's not, you know, that will be in the lottery this summer. Yeah. And it just started to get better and better as soon as the defence clicked in and as soon as, obviously, Stevens made a couple of adjustments to the roster. 
but it truly is night and day, isn't it? And it's it's because it's been one of the biggest roller coaster seasons you, I, I can remember as a as a Celtics fan for sure. And I mean, not even a Celtics fan. Like I can't I can't even think. I mean, I tried to do a little bit of research as well, but for a, for a team to go from that bad to this good, I mean, I I don't even know what Amy's putting in the Gatorade, but fucking Jesus Christ, keep putting it in there. But it's it's. To be honest, I, I I I thought of like topics to talk about in this podcast, but I thought, you know what, we're just gonna we're just gonna freehand it and go for it. And you know, let's talk a little bit about Immy because how he's come in, how he's turned that around, and how he's you know elevated this team, you know, to be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. At one point, were the best defensive team in the NBA. You know, it's 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 unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, for him to come in on his, he's a, he's a rookie coach, rookie head coach. And I think sometimes, obviously we all see the players on the court, you know, they're obviously putting in performances, Jalen, Jason, Marcus, you know, everyone, even Rob, Al, big Al Horford, big shout out to him. We love Al, but he's, um, but yeah, like I said, like Imi's come in and people always forget that he is a rookie head coach and people forget that he's, he kind of sits behind the scenes and, 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 you know, in the sense of, like I said, you've got Jalen, Jason, that you know, superstars, they're the ones getting the wins. Where in reality, in, you know, in reality, Amy's the one that's driving that. And he's creating, you know, the playbook that he's created. You know, it it, it, it suits Jalen, it suits Jason. And, you know, it, collectively, like you said earlier, you know, with the chemistry and with, you know, Marcus Shea and that, you know, the guys don't pass the ball. You, we, we are seeing that a lot more now. We're seeing it like we saw in Game Seven against the Bucks. There's been it was a few occasions where Grant did it and Jason did it, where they drove into the paint and instead of going for that tough layup, they shifted it out, out onto the out onto the wing for the for the open three, like stuff like that, which we last year definitely did not see. It was always ISO. It was always Jalen and Jason driving into the paint trying to get ridiculous shots. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Immy, rookie head coach, my God, what a season! Well, let's put it this way. If he makes the NBA Finals now by winning this series against the Miami Heat and as a byproduct of that, out-coaching Eric Spolstra, uh, he's a top-five rookie coach of all time. Um, you'd be looking at kind of Westfall. Um, you'd be looking at Steve Kerr to a lesser degree, but he had a generational team. Yeah. Um, you'd be looking at Nick Nurse is the biggest one. Mm. Uh, for rookie ho- uh, coaches who have truly transcended what their expectations were. If you look at it, Brad Stevens at times during his tenure as a head coach, tremendous, tremendous coach. That, that guy's a basketball wizard. Well, we got to the Eastern Conference Finals like, yeah. many, many times. Right. So. right, so he got to this stage and he had the personnel. But there was always a bit of a time where you were thinking, okay, so where's the spirit? And we talked about this for podcasts two years ago. Mm. We talked about, I just don't see this. I love Brad Stevens as a coach, but I need someone who's going to hold these guys accountable more directly. Yeah, yeah. um, And show a little bit more passion because when times get desperate, it seemed that that was truly what they needed was a kick up the ass, you know. Um, and he definitely has the personnel, but there's absolutely no doubt that the turning point of the season was that 
when they bought into Ime's approach to basketball. And I think that's what gives him candidacy to, for kind of maybe could have been rookie, uh, sorry, could have been coach of the year. And the reason is because it's so easy in this high pressure vocation that he has as a basketball coach to mold and meld your approach and your style around what's going to keep you employed, right? Mm -hmm. So if things aren't working with the way that, you know, you, you proposed you were going to coach this team in your first meetings whilst you were being hired by Brad Stevens, if things aren't working for the first half of the year, 99 out of 100 coaches would change that approach um, in order to get the quick wins. Uh, Adoka did not. Everything was switching. They didn't probably have the personnel to do that before. Um, we'll get on to Brad Stevens and the effect he had in the front office. But he, he, he just continued to demand that kind of pace and that, de that defensive intensity um, and that switch first approach and that uh, team based style. Um, and it clearly started to pay off once it clicked with the players and, and once they actually realized that oh, the results that are possible if you buy into this guy's um, style and philosophy of basketball. And it's very clear that what happened is he said, it's not working, but it's not changing. And it's up to you if you want to buy in or not. And they bought in and look at the results. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, as well, it's one of those things which I've noticed over the season. So, for example, with Grant, Grant Williams, big shout out to him uh, for his, I don't know, again, I don't know what he put in his Gatorade, but Christ almighty, that was probably the wildest thing to watch. But, you know, with when a, when a player's, I find with Imi's system, when a player is hot, that player gets the ball a lot more. And it could be Peyton, it could be Grant, it could be Al, it could be, you know, Jason Jalen, like typical. But, you know, in recent years, we hadn't really seen that. Like, regardless whether Jalen or Jason is shooting really bad, they would continue to shoot really, really bad and keep going and going and going, where regardless whether someone else's shooting numbers, percentages are a bit higher in that game. Like you said, like, Immy, he's got one of those no-bullshit attitudes, mm -hmm. where it's just like, look, do what I say, or, you know, you're going to be out of here. And I think, like you said, I think the players needed that. There is that energy. It is that kind of um, headmaster approach um, to kind of mould Jalen and Jason and, you know, some of the younger guys. Because they, the Celtics the other day um, on Game 7, when they put up the um, all the players which Danny Ains drafted, you know, for as an example of like Grant, Peyton, you know, Jalen, Jason, like, you know, that, that's that there. You know, before Danny left, obviously, everyone was talking about, you know, oh, he's, 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 he's past it, he doesn't know what he's doing, doesn't know how to draft. Look at the team now. Yeah, team. by the way, people can send apologies directly to Utah, to Danny Ainge, because I, I said at the time, and I remain steadfast in the fact that he, he did deals that got, us, that got Boston so many picks across the board as well, not just, you know, top 10 picks. He missed on a couple. Mostly, <laughs> mostly they were lower in the draft. Yeah. But that's what, that's what happens in drafts. Some beyond your control. Sometimes, the, yes, he did get too many undersized guards at the same time. There's no doubt about that. But 
you need to look, work hard to find more flaws than you know successes in the drafting history of Danny Ainge. Look at the team he's built. It was it's right now, it's nothing but hits, but that's largely due to the fact that Brad Stevens took over. So if you look at what Brad Stevens did, yeah, sure, he did make some trades. Derek White has helped this team become what it is. He might have had an incredibly inconsistent postseason so far, mm. but he helped build this culture that you're seeing on the court. And he bought in straight away. And, you know, I think that Celtics fans generally really respect him. Bringing Al Horford back was a masterstroke. I think one, one of us, for me, that's the... That's 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 the best move he made for sure. He he, he clearly he clearly had it. The, the guy is a brilliant brilliant basketball player, and always has been. But to continue what I was saying about the kind of transition between Ainge and Stevens, the most important thing that Stevens did was keep the right guys. Right. So you look at Grant Williams. A lot of executives would have gotten rid of him. He missed an unbelievable amount of free pointers at the start of the year. And that's what the team demanded from him. You would, you could argue that he could have gone before Romeo Langford. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. He's kept the right guys. And obviously he couldn't keep all these young guys anyway, if he wanted to win now. So he kept the right guys and then brought in some veteran leadership. So out of the, war chest of potential that Danny Ainge offered Brad Stevens as he handed over the baton. Uh, Stevens assessed the situation, kept the right guys, and then brought in some veteran leadership. Absolute A++ uh, GM job so far from him. And his first season as well, for his first season. Again, again, it's the first season for both, which is absolutely... Yeah. I was expecting nothing from this season, if I'm brutally honest. And he and he hired this guy, which is the other massive thing that he did, because, yeah. you know, he wasn't on many people's radar at the time. Maybe internally he was, but in terms of the outside world, he wasn't. Hmm. Um, and he bought into a first-year head coach. He bought into it. He, clearly, he sold him on his philosophy of basketball. And one thing I just... One point I wanted to stress as well is that it doesn't necessarily mean that Doka is this kind of superior basketball mind to Stevens. It just means that they were probably their skill sets catered to different roles. Mm. And from this tiny sample size we have now, uh, Stevens is an absolute basketball savant, but he probably doesn't have the kind of arm round you when you need it, push when you need it. I've been in the locker room attitude and um, communicative ability that Ime Odoka has. Um, so the pieces, the right pieces are in the right places. Obviously, there's many decisions still to be made in the next couple of off-seasons, especially because pesky Grant Williams is now going to need a lot of money. Um, what, do you, what do you reckon we'll give him? I reckon four-year, 60 mil, something like that. I would have to look at the overall space that we have and what I everyone else is demanding. A massive amount, if I'm honest, but it's it's going to be tricky. It really is going to be tricky to keep this call together, especially if Grant Williams continues to kind of make a living hell out of the lives of the best players on the planet, which is what he's done over the last two months. He has. He's he's taken the two most unguardable players in basketball, and like 
obviously he hasn't stopped them because they're unstoppable. Mm. But in a more effective way than pretty much anyone else in the entire league can, maybe except from his teammate, Mr. Horford, has limited them, frustrated them, and ultimately stopped them from changing the games altogether and winning the series. Because those guys can do it by themselves against inferior defenders but not against Grant Williams, who who has just absolutely amazed me in the series. He has, he has, especially, yeah, I mean, against Milwaukee, he was, he was, he was so good on both, both, you know, both sides of the ball. But the one thing that, you know, I kept saying, um, had a couple of watch parties and I kept saying to everyone was the fact. Sorry, that- I couldn't make them, by the way. <laughs> I, I was at real life watch parties. So I, I'm, uh, I was. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have that. I don't have any friends. So like, Josh actually has physical friends. So like people that he can like be in a room with where I don't. But <laughs> that's, a, that's another podcast. But yeah, no, it's you know. Um, so when I yeah, so basically, I forgot what I was going to say. I've lost my train of thought. On the watch party, you were making a point. Oh about yeah, Grant Williams. But yeah, about Grant Williams. Um, I still can't remember it, Josh. It's absolutely gone. Well, let's just talk about Grant Williams, right? So he yeah, come back. Like, to like I mentioned, he had an absolutely catastrophic start to his Celtics career. And frankly, you did start to think, no, this guy this guy offensively doesn't have it. I, I thought he was still a good player. People were on his back way too early last year and the start of this year. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've remembered. Right. My 31-year-old ass is remembered. So what I was saying is the point is, like, you know, obviously Grant has been very good against, you know, Yanis and, and Co. Now, I, I always say this, and I think like you said one that you know Yanis, KD, those types of guys can take a team and they can just they can get them through on their own um, to a certain point, to a certain extent. And I always feel that you know if you with Yanis, for example, you know if if you let him do his thing and you lock down everyone else, there is no way in hell that no matter the the God Almighty you know, Yanis or Luca or KD or whoever, they ain't going to be able to carry a team all the way through. So, and I think that's what we did very, very well in both that, well, Brooklyn was a little bit easier, but, um, you know, Milwaukee, especially, like we did that very well. Obviously they were missing Middleton, which was a big thing, but still, you know, we, we played great defense. Couple of, to be honest, it could have been over in five, I mean, we we killed ourselves a couple of times, which is which is fine because we got through it. But I think with when we come into you know the Miami series, I don't know. I'm more confident going into the Miami series than I was the Milwaukee series. I don't know what you think. Oh yeah, well let's put it into the biggest perspective possible. Going into the year, sorry, going into the postseason based on the year. It seems like an extremely obvious statement because they were the two finalists last year. But the teams that you feared the most were the Bucks and the Suns, right? So the Bucks, uh, the Suns, sorry, won sixty-four games, and they've, and they've just been murked. Um, the Bucks are we unstoppable. Do we be- like the Merc siren? <laughs> I think so. Should we little, leave a little space? There we go. Um, and we know at this point, and it makes people feel silly every year when we talk for ages about who the best player in the world is for like two months and then there's always one guy who just reminds you it used to be LeBron now it seems it's Giannis um you know 
Giannis watches people debate the MVP over and over again for two months whilst he puts up monster numbers. And then when the other players get eliminated from contention, he's putting up 20, like 40, 20 and 20 without really even looking at 200 points in that that series. Yeah. He was absolutely unbelievable. But just to put it in perspective, those were the teams you feared. And then to a lesser degree, largely because of sort of an emotional potential to be crushed if it happened. You also feared the Nets just because they have Kevin Durant. Um, And just in case Ben Simmons came back, just in case Steph Curry played really well, I can't think of anyone else. They don't really have anyone else. Um, And you feared those teams and those teams are out, right? So two of them have been eliminated by the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. And one of them have have shown extreme frailty, and then obviously you look at who they might face in in the West. Should they be able to make it past Miami? And Golden State showed extreme frailty against me- the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. They aren't they aren't the 2016 Golden State Warriors. But but um, playoffs but- F and playoff clay. I don't want any part of that. If I'm brutally honest. No no I mean don't get me wrong I, I worry but I because they're they're basketball legends, they've been around the block, they know how to win championships. Absolutely. Um, But they are not the team from 2016, so they don't strike the same fear that... Put it this way, I was more... I was uh, fearing this Bucks series more than I will for a series from now on. Mm. Don't get me wrong, though, Miami absolutely could beat this Celtics team because I think that um, in terms of physical matchups. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Mm. I, feel, I feel like it's going to be the most physical series of the entire NBA postseason. It's going to be, I think it's going to be one of those, one of those series where, I mean, I'll probably come on to it in a bit with the NBA refs. And I actually, when we talk about our ban list and stuff, I've actually changed what I was going to say, Josh. So we'll go on to that in a minute. But, you know, it's, I hope. I, I hope this season, I don't want, not season, this series, I hope this series doesn't go seven. This series needs to finish early doors. Tonight, obviously, we we play game one. Um, 1.30 a.m., by the way, that's just a bridge. 1.30, like, for, for fuck's sake, NBA. Like, geez, I was enjoying the 12.30. Yeah, they're okay, they're all right, not too bad. You go to bed at like three, half three, then yeah. be an absolute mong the next day. But it's, yeah. I mean, going to bed at like four, half four. I'm 31 years old. I can't be doing that. Like, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be a bloody a zombie for the next like three days after. But yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I think this series against Miami, I'm a little, like I said, I, I'm a bit more confident in this one. Um, hopefully, we don't have the bubble uh, hiccups. You know, thing is though. I'm hoping that we just don't get gassed. I'm hoping we don't get tired because that's exactly what happened last time in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, but there's the kind of ever-existing debate of rust versus rest. Um, obviously, they, they, there's a very big chance that they could they could be a bit kind of not ready, mm. unprepared. Who and knows? We got the crowd factor this time. Obviously, we didn't have the crowd factor last time. And I suppose, you know, whenever you, you play sport, I play sport. So whenever there's a bigger crowd... There's always that little bit of, you know, within you, it's just like, right, people are watching, I need to step up kind of thing. So I'm hoping the crowd factor 
I would have loved to have been in TD Garden for that game seven. Like just what I don't I don't even want to talk about that. Let's not even get into that because the 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 feelings I have when I watch it are so conflicting. Well, I tell you what, if we get to the finals, if we get to the finals, we need to we need to both go. We need to both go. I am saving for my wedding at the moment, but I, I may have to potentially So where's so where do they do they put are you gonna put the GoFundMe link below here? Yeah, we'll put the can you pay for my wedding? Because I'm about to use the funds for uh, yeah. No, 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 no. The GoFundMe is for our trip. You can oh, for our trip. Okay, you, you can do whatever you want for your wedding. <laughs> okay, so if you want to donate to me, no, I'm joking. But no, I think if we get to the finals, we have we have to go out there, whether it's game one or whatever. Um, it has to it has to happen for sure. And we'll we'll make sure we take the podcast kit, and we'll uh, I've got an external mic, and we'll we'll interview some of you guys out there as well. We'll just do a live episode in TD um, on the night, I'd be mental. So here's, here's an interesting personal caveat. I'm going to be in uh, Spain during the potential game seven, if it happens. Um, and should Boston do incredibly well and make it to the NBA finals, I would be in Barcelona still. Um, and I'd be at a music festival. A lot of very good artists, musicians, bands playing in the early hours of the morning actually because the festival doesn't start till like six, goes on till like four and you know it's been years in, 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 the, in the making this festival and in preparation of cancellation after COVID, here's the new lineup, blah blah blah, gone on for a few years but with all due respect Gorillas um the strokes, whoever. I apologize if the game is on at the same time. Because there's a very small chance I'll just be in a hotel room or in a bar nearby. And what games would you miss in the finals? Um would you miss the whole finals. Hypothetically, I'd miss the first like three games, maybe two, first two games. Well, but I won't miss it. That's that's my entire miss, point. I'll miss it, but the potential for you to fly out there. All oh, right, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty slim. But I can't, hold on, hold on. Just Google's Google's. I'm looking, looking. What's from Barcelona? What's from Barcelona directly to Boston? If it happens, mate, we have to. Because I'm not being funny. I've we've waited since 07-08, even for the sniff of that chance of getting hold of that trophy again. And also as well, I actually, if we do win, right, my, that graphic that I did of Jalen and Jason, uh, Jason, I hope to God they recreate that because that will be, I will literally print that and put that on my wall with the two next to each other. That would be awesome. Right. Shall we move on to, obviously this is only a quick episode today, guys. Uh, there's so much to digest and so much to kind of like throw out there. You know, it's it's... Yeah, I mean, we can't cover it all. Um, otherwise, me and Josh will be here for about three hours. And both of us do have girlfriends and fiancés, surprisingly. But so we have to go spend time with them. And yeah, right. So should we do our guest list and band list? What do you want to do first? Do you want to do guest or band? Let's start on negative, um, finish with positive. Let's, let's ban who we want. Okay, do you want me to go first? You go. Okay, now... To start off with, I was going to say Bam Adebayo, clearly because we're going into this series and just that image of him tipping that ball 
out of the basket from Jason's shot will give me nightmares forever. But hopefully that will not happen. But I actually want to take an absolute swing, and I mean an, a catastrophic swing, at the NBA officials. Now, they are by far the worst officials in any sport in history. They are so, so bad. Now, I cu- without, without going into too much Dickie's hell and going off on one and going into some random rant, it's just some of the calls, for example, all of the Yanis travels, just this is just in this series, um, but in the Bucks, all of the Yanis travels, the elbows he was throwing up as well, all the fouls on Jason. Like, I mean, obviously it goes both ways. We were flopping and, you know, Marcus is a great artist at that. And, you know, there's, there were so many things, but the NBA officials were so bad. I feel like they just want to steal the limelight all the time where they could just be a little bit more lenient and let the guys just go at it. Because when that series, when, you know, there was a couple of games, I remember what game it was, uh, six or five, one of them, where they were a little bit more lenient. And, you know, it was a great game of basketball rather than just stupid, stupid calls. Like the overturning of, um, I think it was one of the uh, elbows that Yanis threw, wasn't it? I think it was one of those where they, where they challenged it and they got it and everyone was just like, fuck off. Like it was one of those ones that everyone was, I, I was sat here watching it. I was just fuming, even though we were winning. But yeah, NBA officials get in the bin. You will never step foot in the garden pie. That is a hundred percent. Right. Never. You are official. There's a doorman outside the garden party that's pushing NBA refs out. Um, and there's little pictures on the wall saying the wall of the garden, I suppose. Saying, saying you are, you know, you know, when in clubs, when people are banned, their pictures are up on the wall behind the bar. Yeah. That's the situation here. Tony Brothers, get to France. Um, he, he can't, he's not even allowed. He's not even allowed within ten foot of the uh, of the of the garden party. That's the thing. He's not. He's, he's not got a tag on. As soon as he steps in, that's it. It triggers. Like go, you know. As soon as he steps on that line, you, the thing is, you can't even go into all the calls. So there, there was some absolute abomination of officiating in there. Um, one thing I will say is, that, let me share a personal story. Um, okay. Connect with the audience and seem more affable by sharing a personal story. I play recreational basketball uh, over here in England, not uh, an amazing standard, but, you know, it's decent level basketball. Um, this year we were relegated from the top division in our, within a, a couple of counties. Um, there's four divisions, but we're in the top. We're now going down to two. I mean, um, for all of you American listeners, you know what relegated is. It means obviously you <laughs> drop down a league. Like you don't just have one league like you do in America. We have multiple ones. Oh man! I mean, I really, really hope that most of them do know what the word relegated means. But let, let, let's. So, this is what happened. We lost by one get. Sorry, we got relegated by one point. Right, so one game, mm-hmm. which means that basically one loss killed us. Let me tell you about that loss. There is a famously bad referee in the area who, in fact, is the most qualified ref in the area. And he is, as a byproduct of that, he is actually the most arrogant and kind of condescending referee. He will explain every call. He will patronize you on every call. He will stop the game and not let it flow just so he can have his stamp on the game. He wants to make 
the game about him. And the game that we lost that ultimately relegated us was a game in which the other team was jawing at them. The other team was showing them attitude. The other team was fouling, disputing the foul, swearing. They kept stopping. We stood on the court waiting to continue, weren't talking. Let's get on with it. The other team kept going. The ref stopped the game. We were standing on the court for 45 minutes whilst this guy and the other team wasted our time. He ejected three players. He then kicked them out of the hall in which we had to wait for them to get changed on the side of the court and leave. This is English basketball problems. We had to wait to watch them put their tracksuits on and leave the gym before we could resume play. When it got to a certain amount, certain time, there was lots of people congregating on the side of the court. And the reason was he'd wasted so much time that our booking in this sports leisure centre had expired, right? So we had run out of time. That is there a was, problem. There I... was a large group of netball players waiting to come <laughs> onto the court, right? So the netball players all come on and start saying like, right, okay, you're taking the piss. We can't finish the game, but because it's our venue, we are deducted points because the game was not finished. Uh, because the referee made it all about him. So let me double down and say, not just NBA refs, but basketball refs. It's not about you. Pick up the money, pick up the check, let the game flow, make calls when you need to, keep the game safe and shut up. Get in the bin. Right. Boom. Okay. So there's, there's the, uh, to be fair, that's one hell of a story. Imagine, to be honest, at that point, that's, I would have, to be honest, I would have just packed up and gone off. That is such a British problem, though. That's such a, that is such a UK problem. Is that, oh, yeah, I mean, it's hilarious. Still because on the sideline going, hang on a minute, mate. Badminton's in five minutes. Get off the Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I did kind of stress at the start that I don't play at an unbelievable level, but I didn't need to say that because if you are playing at a good enough level, you're not getting kicked off the court for netball. <laughs> Anyway, right, Josh, give us your uh, fan list. So I've changed mine to yours. Bam Adebayo is my pick. Um, And look, I love NBA pettiness. I've been incredibly, incredibly entertained by Pat Beverly this week. But the guy's, he needs needs something, doesn't he? The the people who were tweeting that he woke up at 4.30 a.m. to drive into a studio to... um, shit on his biggest rival during his darkest moment that was a very good point but I I do love NBA pettiness however just from a pure bias point of view the moment that you described earlier on about Bam Adebayo you know executing that pivotal block against Jason Tatum um, he executed some elite level pettiness by saying in an interview with JJ Redick that Every time there's an anniversary of that, so I guess there would have been two anniversaries of that moment now. Um, since then, that's crazy. That's crazy. Think about that. Yeah. That was two years. Yeah, he has sent a picture of the block to Jason Tatum, um, as a reminder of what happened, saying thank you and saying he appreciates him in a sarcastic way. That's definitely yeah. the worst thing you're ever going to do, Bam Adebayo. I promise, I promise you that. Cold blooded. Uh, I appreciate the pettiness, but 
He's not allowed in the garden party, is he? No, no, he can stay in the hot beaches of Miami. That is for sure. Poor right. him. Poor, poor him. Right. Guest list. Now, do you want to go first on this one? Or do you want me yeah. to? I'll go first on this one. Let me. So, my guest list is Grant Willett. No, sorry, Al Horford. Going Al. Love that. Al Horford. He let's let's just re- remind you he was unbelievable in the Celtics. Um, he was starting to become frustrated with the chemistry in the locker room when um, he left with the young team that he had. I think there was a common denominator in in that situation. Yeah, I mean, having locker room issues where I think then they've continued to happen everywhere else he went. But anyway. Um, Al Hoffman getting frustrated. He took more money with Philadelphia um, when back, Boston back for sure. When Boston weren't willing to pay him, the fit. Luckily, luckily because I thought they were going to be unbelievable. The fit was not right with Joel Embiid. He went to Oklahoma. They don't want to win basketball games, so amazingly, he started to sit for the rest of the season because he was too good at basketball yeah. for his basketball team, and. The internet decided, as a uh, you know, as a result of that, that Al Horford was no longer good at basketball. But guess what? At the age of thirty-seven, thirty-six, thirty-six, nearly thirty-seven. Same, by the way, I found out today. That's the same age as Wayne Rooney. And if you go and look at pictures of Wayne Rooney now, they don't look like the same age. Anyway, Al Horford. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Al Horford is completely rejuvenated. Even at the start of the year when Boston weren't playing well, he was sort of defensively incredible. If you look at like the first 20 games, mm. when, sorry, when, when he first joined. And he looks better than ever. He had a game in this last series where he scored his career high. Yeah, absolutely. And he was oh, wow. super aggressive. He re- obviously, it's a meme now, but the way he reacted to Giannis... Oh, what a laugh, yeah. Yeah, the dunk. He, he looks more spry than he ever has. Um, and he's just got that kind of continuous wisdom, that brilliant team ethos. I just love watching Al Horford play basketball. Uh, and I, I just want to watch that for the rest of his career whilst he's wearing green. Hopefully. Hopefully he does retire in, in Boston. I mean, like you said, him coming back. Um, I think some fans were a bit like, you know, what's, what kind of Al are we going to get? But like you said, He's been defensively, he's been incredible. Like it's like he'd, you know, it's like he's 15 years younger. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like he's yeah, you, know, you said rejuvenated and elevated himself. And I think a big part of that is that he loves the city. He loves the organization. He's realized from leaving it and going to Philadelphia and Oklahoma. Like, obviously, I like Oklahoma. I think they're, you know. I wish them well, is what I would say. But um, they, you know, he's realised that, you know, home is where the heart is and he's come back to Boston and he's been, yeah, he's been great. He's been great. So hopefully we get to see Al for a few more years in green. I think he's got a couple more years on his contract, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully we can get him a chip. If If there's one player that I'd love to get a chip... You'd just love to see him lift it, wouldn't you? You would do, for sure, for sure. 
And like, we're, we've got a great chance to do that this year. Now. Probably this is like peak window. This is an opportunity where there's not many teams that have kind of a stronghold of the league. Whereas obviously the last decade has been dominated by teams who do. So I think it's been the last five champions have all been different, isn't it? Well, no, the last four, and then this is the fifth one, isn't it? Where it's going to be a different champion. Where previously it was a, um, I think it was, it was Golden State last, was Warriors. It? Yeah, who, who had that onslaught. But other than that, it's it's quite, as, as, as an NBA neutral, if you were, it's it's like the best time to get into the league because there's so, so much parity. Yeah, so much great, so many great teams, so many great players. And you get to uh, kind of watch the the league kind of flourish in that sense. But but yeah, right. My guest list, my guest list. Now I kind of toyed between Grant Williams and the person that I am going to put in. So the person I'm going to put in is Mr. Mr. Number One himself, Ime Udoka. So Imi has earned but he's in the VIP VIP section. Do you know what I mean? He he's he's got his own booth. He's on his own. Like He's got a throne and everything. There's like a velvet rope that separates everyone. I mean, he's got curtains. None of this rope shit. He's got his own curtains. Yeah, exactly. Like he's yeah, he's he's living it big. Um, so solely for table service. Sorry, go on. <laughs> solely for the reason of what he's done from the first half of the season to now. Like I, it's unfathomable. Like this 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 complete turnaround is insane. Like he fully. I really, if he wins the chip, I mean, he's got to be, yeah, you said earlier top five, but I think he's, he's, he's up there top two then, I think, if he wins it on his rookie year. From the season that we had at the start to now, um, well, if you, certainly if you buy into the narrative that I spoke about, that it was his coaching specifically that turned the screw for this team, which I believe. Um, so it depends on how much weight you put into that. He's not changed, he's not you, you've got to look at like Westfall, Nurse, Steve Kerr, but with, with Steph Curry and Draymond. And, People yeah. could argue Jalen and Jason, obviously, but still, to, have to, to go to go, yeah, but, to go from yeah. where we were before, you know, even, even last year, in the first half of the season to now, like you would expect that kind of change maybe in a couple of seasons to kind of yep. get that momentum and get the team up and get the pieces where you want them. But, you know, obviously Brad's helped in this sense, like, like we spoke about earlier, but we've got this core which want to play together, which are brought into the system, and it's all because of that man stood creepily behind you, Josh. Um, there he is right there, the man. So it's, I think he, he, has to be, he has to be on the guest list 100%. Like you can't like that's some that's some love that is. If you don't know what Josh is doing, if you're listening, he's rubbing Immy's head. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, take that as you please. But um, yeah, Immy, you are welcome to the garden party anytime. Even if the party's closed for Christmas and you want to arrive and you want to come in, we'll come and open it for you. Yeah. So yeah. Josh, I mean, we could, like you said, we could go on for ages and talk about so many things. We'll be back. We'll be back midway through this series. Or midway through next year. Like, it's going to be either or. You don't know what you One of the two. Yeah, it's, 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 we're unpredictable. That's what we are. Like the Celtics this season, we're unpredictable. So, 
we will try to put another episode out next week. Well, hopefully, we're going to be sat here going, Celtics are two up. Because I think there's two games between now, was it two or three? Because you've got one tonight. Three in the next week. Yeah, because we've got one on Saturday. So one tonight, one, is it one Thursday and then one Saturday? Yeah, both in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got two in Miami. If we take the two in Miami, I think sweep. I'm being bold, but it's, you know, then we've got a good chance in Miami, especially if Miami don't fill their stands, which has happened weirdly. I mean, it happens most of the time. They never do. It's really strange, really odd. But you're going to have the bandwagons there now, Miami, because they're all going to arrive because they think they're going to get on the chips. So- Even when LeBron was there and they were contending, they still couldn't fully fill the arena. It's Crazy. like... It's uh, as they say in the film basketball, they moved the team to Miami where they don't believe in basketball. Anyway, we've got a chance. This we've got a chance to be well, actually, no, we already are the most decorated franchise in NBA history because was it four of the Lakers chips were in mini? So it it doesn't really matter, it doesn't count. Like, Laker fans, I hear you piping up all the time, once again, get in the bin because you know when they're. Win another four, and then you will be on level par of us for sure. So, anyway, uh, we'll be back next week, and going to put this out on your know, our normal channels, so Spotify, Apple, um, maybe YouTube. If not, it will just be probably a couple of clips with Josh rubbing Immy's head on socials. Um, but anyway, guys, until next week. Oh no, Josh. We've got to do your. You always end on a positive note, or you give a bit of advice to the listeners. So, what's your uh, Josh's words of wisdom? Yeah. So, I have a final speech for the guests of the garden party. Again, the basketball ass has a few things to say, and one is that success feels fantastic. I have to say. Um, sorry if this puts people off, but I am also a Liverpool fan, so. I'm a fan of the. I can imagine everyone turning off now, but it's fine. They've listened I, to the episode, so it's all good. I am a fan of, you know, through no glory hunting involved, but I am a fan of the two most decorated teams in the respective leagues. Um, I, and success just feels fantastic, but it's going to be a tough ride. Miami are a serious team. The Heat. They're hard-nosed, they're physical, it's going to be rough. But we need to stay the course together, Celtics fans, Um, because while this season has been a challenge and at times it's felt like a real slog, we're in a situation now where, with apologies to the greatest, one of the greatest comedians in the world, Chris Rock, we're about to enjoy things Big Willy style. I should have really started at the chorus, shouldn't I? Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's just me doing this for a while. Long verse, isn't it? Yeah, we'll, we'll get there, guys. Come on, Will. Anyone listening? If you got to go back to work, go. Right, that's enough. And there's the slap. Right, so...
Okay. So, guys, Josh, is that it? Or have you got more to add to your Oscar-winning speech? That's enough. That's Go enough. Celtics. That's enough. Go Celtics. Anyway, guys, until next time, peace.